0: Hey, fearless fundraisers. I'm Don Lego. It's time to buckle up for a new episode of Race Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, let's get going. It is October. It's event season, and I could not be more excited, and it could not be more timely than to welcome our guest to the show. We have Mary Davidson, she's the founder and event director of EP Events, and Well, guess what? We're going to talk all about events. So for all of you out there who are planning your annual fundraisers, we are in the thick of event season. Listen up. Hopefully you'll get some tips, tricks, trends, and ideas that you might make a few tweaks just to catapult your event to success. So without further ado, Mary, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Raise Nation Radio. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm so excited to chat events and
1: fundraising events today. That's my favorite thing. So I'm doing good. I'm happy. and looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I always say that events are like in my blood, in my DNA. So I'm really happy to be talking all things events with you. But before we jump in, and I have a million questions for you, I want our audience to get to know you better outside of just, you know, a title. So if you just want to share your background in fundraising your career journey what's ep events all about what do you do there and of course whatever you'd like to share personally we want to get to know you yeah
1: absolutely i'd, I'd be happy to so yeah ep events technically it stands for events with a purpose it's very cheesy but it's true i love Purposeful events. And that mainly is like a lot of fundraising events. <clears throat> and so my background is in fundraising. So I started doing fundraising from in high school. And since then, I've stuck with it. I did internships in it, then I got jobs in it, and then I've done volunteer stuff. And it's just something that I, learned that I was passionate about working with nonprofits, working with causes, you know, and missions that are bigger than me, wakes me up every morning, you know, it's what I look forward to. And so I just knew that like, this is what I want to do. And so that's what I've done. And as many fundraisers know, when you do something like that, you end up doing events for one reason or another. And so I've done events now for about seven years. I did those full time for a couple different organizations. And then I started my business three years ago. EP events, events with a purpose.
0: Three years ago, like in the middle of the pandemic?
1: Yes, that was an accident. Oh, my
0: goodness. All right. <laughs> it was a how wild that, ride. How, how does somebody start an event business in the middle of a pandemic when events were shut down? I had to interrupt you and ask you that.
1: Well, oh, That's a valid question. So I had a couple of contacts from just the industry, fun, like fundraising contacts, and they reached out to me about planning their event. And I was employed at the time, thankfully, especially given like what was happening, starting to happen with COVID. And so it was right, like a few months into COVID that I started my business because I had this opportunity to plan their events. Their events were further out. And so we didn't know that those events actually didn't end up happening. So when I left, it was a good opportunity to leave, but then that opportunity kind of fell out. One of the events went virtual. And so during the pandemic, I went all in on virtual events and I was very... Baptism by fire there. Yeah, it was it was actually a really great space for me to be in at that time. And I learned so much. So I was grateful to kind of stick it out, learn a new skill that I can still use now that we're doing all kinds of different events.
0: Wow. And did you also mention that you started working on events in high school? What? Where did high school years, when most are either trying to get through exams and college essays... I don't, I don't put like, hmm, college essays, exams, graduation and running events in the, like the same bucket. So how did that all happen?
1: Well, it mainly started just more like fundraising in general. And for that, it was my dad actually is, he's a philanthropist. So he raises money for some universities and, but he started out doing more like humanitarian stuff. And so it was from his experiences that I was invested in that process. And then, from that, I I think what really spurred it for me, honestly, is when I was 19, I decided I want to go do a humanitarian trip in India. And so I went and I did that. And, you know, I had a great time. And honestly, that changed my life. But in order to be able to do that, I personally had to raise money. I couldn't pay for that. And so I did lots of different like little mini fundraisers, just like random things. I did like solicitations of my family friends saying, this is what I'm doing. Can you contribute? And one way or another, I was able to to pay for it and and go and as i said it changed my life that's when i was like yes this is what i want to do so for a long time i was really focused on humanitarian nonprofit type of work that has since shifted into all sorts of different kinds because i'm realizing how much there is in the world for people supporting one another and so that's been i guess that's kind of where it started and then it started leading into events
0: Wow. Okay. So humanitarian events sounds like it's in your blood and your DNA as well. So we're going to have a really juicy conversation. So I'm going to start right at the beginning, even though we're in the thick of event season, this just might help people to reframe things and think about where they started, which is the beginning, all the stakeholders what would you say? Are you know you're embarking on an annual fundraiser? What are those initial conversations that should be happening with all the stakeholders that are involved in a fundraising event? Let's get right right down to the brass beginnings there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that there are. Well, I'm going to break it into steps. If that it, my mind looks like that, it's like more manual, <laughs> easy to understand. Uh, yeah, so. speak my language. Awesome. So I would say step one for those initial conversations that should be happening would be like maybe ironically, should this event even be happening? Right. Like, let's talk about if this event makes sense. I hope that's the conversation that someone has. I've gotten put in some situations where I I very much know that organizations will do an event because they've always done it. Mm. But to me, I feel pretty strongly that that's not always a reason to do an event. Right. And so just having that conversation, maybe it's a short conversation, but please have it <laughs> decide if you should have this event again this year. And that means looking, you know, at the ROI, the return on investment for the event. And you know, what's, what kind of feedback have you gotten? What kind of toll does it take on your team? Do you need to shake it up? Maybe it's a, right now, it's actually a great time to shake up events because there are just a lot of different things. It happens. is. Hmm, we're so going to get just, into
0: that. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: Those initial conversations, like just like that, I'd say that's step one is talk about that. (laughs) Don't just assume.
0: we have done it the same way. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And then step two, I would say, is to talk about like, well, like, so you've decided you're going to have the event. Cool. All right. Then something I love to break it down into, is it going to be a fundraiser, right? Or a friend raiser? So what's the purpose of it in that sense? Like, are we really trying to raise money or are we just trying to gain connections to the community, maybe new potential future donors? And what's the difference there? And I think if I can share just like a quick example of this. I think that this conversation is key. So I had a a client who they originally brought me on to help them with a fundraising, like it was gonna be like a community kind of like luncheon type of event. And they realized really quickly that just within their organization, there were some programs that they recently had cut and that was affecting people's opinions of them in the community. So there was kind of this like PR stuff that needed to be done before they could garner support for an event and they realized that after they had brought me on and that we started this process and we're like, we need to pause because this actually may not be a great time. You need to do something that's more like a fundraiser because you got to get the community back on board. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they ended up doing instead. And so just like, once again, establishing who, like, who's our audience friend or fundraiser, what are we trying to do here is once again, I think a crucial conversation. That's step two. Is that yep. step t- Okay. Step three is, as we know, like, why are you doing the event? What's your North Star? What's your why? What's the purpose of the event? And an exercise for this that I think is helpful is asking your stakeholders, your committee, your board, whoever it is that is invested in this event, <laughs> ask them what success looks like to them. Why do they want this event to happen specifically for them? And sometimes I've done that just in like, you know, a group committee meeting, we take 20 minutes at the beginning of the meeting and and we hear what everybody has to say. And many times it aligns, but sometimes it doesn't. And that's when you say, we need to figure out what our goals are for this event and align on it. And it gives everyone the opportunity to, to voice that. Um, so I'd say that's step three. Step four is, which I've alluded to, who's the audience? So like, for example, we were doing an event and the event was really all about like student education. And they realized that we weren't involving students at all. And so trying to like really hmm, realize who yeah. we're trying to get here and who are we trying to, to touch or involve and things like that. So as we know, who's your audience for the event? And then the last step, step five, what's the theme? And I'm not just thinking like, what's your decor theme? Although that's fun, you know, to establish kind of up front, but you weave it into the planning process, right? And you weave it into the programming too. If your theme is, I don't know, specific to like, bright futures or something like that, you need to make sure that those bright, that like the theme is bright. The branding is bright. The program is all about how we can have bright futures. Like you're really, really going in on that if it's applicable. So I'd say that's another conversation to have at the beginning. And I would also say that these are the most important steps that I think. And if you do these five steps, you're going to have hopefully a solid event. You're really setting yourself up for success.
0: Yeah. There's so much to unpack there. And for those that are in the middle of their event right now, don't be hard on yourself because I think you can go back. And that's why I wanted to start here because I, I think you can go back. And I really love what you're saying about keeping that goal in mind and making sure everybody's aligned with the same goal. You can, you know, if I go left and you go right, we're never going to get there. But I know for myself, whenever I start just about any work-related project or even a personal project, it's always like, well, what's my goal? What are we trying to accomplish? And then it kind of helps the decision-making fall into place. If it, oh, well, no, that doesn't really help our goal or help what we're trying to accomplish. So maybe we shouldn't do that. Or yeah, that's right on target. So I think that these are really good things to establish, even if even if you're halfway through your event because i think that's what happens is of event people we're like okay we have to get our committees and our auction and our this and we got to do that and the entertainment and what's the venue and you you're 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 at step 20 before you do the crucial steps 1 through 5 so really 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 important know your goals get alignment ask questions and i really like the whole theme i think what you're saying is Meaningful themes, right? Like pretty decor for the sake of pretty decor. It's not so meaningful, right? You tie it back to your purpose, your goal and your mission, make it impactful. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I think creativity sometimes runs wild, right? And, you know, next thing you know, you have like this Hawaiian tropical theme and it might be fun and exciting, but it doesn't really connect it to the cause, the mission or make it memorable in that way. So what are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of thoughts and I think that's a great call out as well. I would say that when you're, when you're deciding your theme, like if it's a fundraising event, it really has to come down to money. Part of it has to come down to money, right? Like it does it make sense to pay for something that like this, like that maybe fits the theme. It maybe doesn't like, how much is it going to impact the event? And a question that I like often pose to people is, is that going to help someone, like donate more money or Mm -hmm. are they going to not attend the event next year because you didn't have cookies passed out on the way out of the event? Like, is that really going to impact? And the answer is usually no. But then there's also like this line between just trying to create a positive guest experience that night. And I think that's where like the theme and the decor and things like that do come into play more. Yes. Maybe that's not going to make someone donate more money, but they're, they're going to have a nice time, you know, and it's going to look nice and that's part of your branding and that's cool. And so I, I'm just trying to say, I think that there, there's a line there. And I think sometimes it's challenging to figure out like how all in you should go (laughs) or not. But for example, one thing is like if you are if you have a theme and you're going to have, you know, like your photo booth or step and repeat and something like that, something you can do is try to tie your mission into it. So have a theme, but tie your mission into it along the way. So if your event is for like first responders or something like that, not only have a photo booth, but like have a photo booth where they can like... I've seen people like they have to put on or like carry something that a firefighter would wear or carry. And so also it's like a photo moment, but it also kind of shows them like what that's like. And so it's this this moment where you're tying mission into the theme and the activities and things like that. To me, that's meaningful and impactful and then actually could have someone donate more money because they're like, I get this more. So I could probably go a lot of different directions with that. But hopefully that kind of answers the question.
0: Yeah, well, we wouldn't mind you going in different directions. I love the examples because I think, you, you know, photo booth check, but you just took it a step further, you know, photo booth and mission and raise more, check, 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 so important and always go back to your goal. I mean, first of all, do we even need a photo booth? Will it help us raise more money? Not having it right. All those questions, I think for all of the planning are just, you know, so important and just keep going back to the true north. So I really like where this conversation is going, but I do want to segue into what you said about shake up events. And this is a good time to do that. So why is it a good time to do that? And how do we shake up events right now and still be impactful?
1: Yeah, it's it truly is a good time. I would say I'm I'm personally pretty invested like in the event industry. And so I've got like a lot of colleagues and do a lot of like things. And I have just heard and seen so much about people saying like they're really all of this. I don't know if it's been this way forever, but definitely recently there are not really like standards. There's not like an industry standard. People are just doing kind of whatever they want to do and they're making it work, which is crazy and also very exciting so I would say if like you've been thinking about trying something new, Now is the time when I think everyone, including guests, are like more used to the fact that things are going to be different. And so it's a key time to shake things up, I think. <laughs> um, but with that being said, like what that actually like looks like is with your fundraising event, like if you have, you know, that conversation where you're determining what's right for you to do, there are a couple of different ways that you could go about it the e- maybe easiest way is just to change one thing. Like you're going to do an event that you've always done, but you're just going to choose to do one thing differently. And an example of that is like, we had someone who did it. Let's see. They did a des- dessert auction for their gala okay. and the dessert auction was like pretty successful for them in the past. But this year we changed it to a dessert dash, which is very common. Right. And Ooh, they raised five. Dash? Yeah. The dessert. So I would say, well, the dessert auction, how I've seen it is like, it's an auction item. It's just one item and they're auctioning off desserts under that. And so you get, you know, like two or $300 for a dessert and it all is going to equal up to this like one item value or dessert dash is the one where folks will their tables get together they decide how much that they're going to give and then they go in order from those who are willing to give the largest to the smallest amount and then they literally like run to go pick up their desserts as the auctioneer calls them out and it's fun people go crazy so it's a different way to like auction desserts essentially this year we were like we don't know which one's going to raise more money because you haven't ever tried the dessert dash so let's just try it and see if it's going to work this year and that was the one thing that we changed and from the switch from the dessert auction to the dessert dash they raised five thousand more dollars than they did last year and that was surprising for everyone we're like cool so we know that works for this audience (laughs) and it could have not worked like let's be honest but that's what i'm saying if you want something more manageable just try one thing and see if it's going to work or not. And then, you know, you know, in the future, if you want to continue to implement something different. So that's part of change, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, let me ask you the hard question, though. Some nonprofits fund their programming all year based on, you know, one, well, not, you know, maybe it's not that to that degree, but it could support a significant part of programming. So I understand being stuck in, this is the way we've always done it, because if there's that expectation that, you know, we're going to raise X, but if we change one thing and we don't raise X, we raise less than X, how do you hedge your bet to make sure that you're not making a change that's going to have a negative impact? And then change the programming that's going to happen in the next you know several months that follow so change can be scary because it's unknown it it could work to, in in a way where you're making $5000 more as you just mentioned but it can also if it works against you it can be pretty catastrophic it's not like you're going to do the event you know a couple weeks later mm-hmm. so what how do you kind of safeguard your change and make sure you're still hitting your numbers
1: It's a great question. And I know, you know, like you've been saying, a lot of nonprofit professionals are faced with these lofty budgets and goals and things like that, and that can be overwhelming. So I think that there are some things with any event that you can try to make sure are in place. And that just automatically gives you a little bit of cushion. I think in an ideal world, all your expenses can maybe be covered by sponsorship or partnerships. And so that's like the one thing is like if you can really focus on that type of thing. If that's the model of your event, that's a great thing to do to make sure that your costs are going to be covered. So that's like part one, as I would just encourage continuing to make sure that happens. And then pre-committed gifts, you know, talking to your major donors and getting them to commit to give at this event. That's another form of income that you can guarantee. And then another way that you can guarantee is through, matches you know or something like that that you can do so if you can kind of have those things that that pre-work in place these committed things then i do feel like you have a little bit more room to try something new as small as a dessert dash i wouldn't say like take out your raise the paddle or don't do a live auction like that is very impactful that would be a big decision to make but some of these smaller like revenue enhancer things i feel like there's some more freedom there that don't really impact your bottom line as much but can make a difference
0: well, I think you just gave us a recipe for making change, how you can offset you know, making change by making sure certain key components are there or maybe a little extra sponsorship or covering some costs give you that opportunity to make the change. So that brings us two key components. Is there a recipe? What are standard, like, you know, we can talk about decor and theme and change and dessert dashes versus dessert auctions all day long, but are there a set of rules, a set of key components that you think every fundraiser should have? I think that there
1: are, yes, I think that there are definitely some or some that you could pick from, but for the shoulds, it's starts at the relationship-based things, which we did just identify, but if I could put them in a category, they're like, those are the relationship-based things, your sponsorship, maybe like community partners, and then even procurement, right? Like that's not applicable necessarily for every event, but most fundraising events are going to have some type of procurement happening. And those are all based on your relationships, right? And those are relationships that you can go to again the next year as well. So I'd say those are key because they impact your event and potentially future events if you're actually like cultivating those relationships. So that's important. That's something that I would say is very organization based. It's hard to bring someone in to help with those things. Those are like, you know, your stuff, you know, your people, you know, your mission, perhaps keep this within the organization. So that's kind of the first set of key components, I would say. And then another one, which maybe is obvious, but sometimes I forget about it, but this is so important, especially given this podcast that we're on right now is the platform. So what platform can help your event be successful that also needs to be a conversation, whether you're you know, posting it on a platform, there's registration, how are you collecting donations? Can it integrate with your donor database? Do you need it to just like stuff like that? That seems like another component, regardless of your type of event, what tools can help you accomplish your goal?
0: So tech does come into play with events? I think so. Yeah.
1: I think it does. I think it does now. Yeah. And then also just other like tactical fundraising type of things. So, and this doesn't depend on the type of event that you're doing, but there, I think as a lot of us know, are just so many different. Kinds of ways that you can raise money at your event and what that actually looks like, but figuring out what some of those components are. And I can give examples if needed, but yeah, please. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you have your auctions, right? You have your silent auction, your live auction, your, and that's, this is the thing too, I should say. So, I'm located in the Seattle area and I've noticed that people call things different things depending on where you live. So some of the words I say, maybe you're like, that's not what you're talking about. Fund the need is
0: exactly how many different ways. What is it? Fund the need, paddle raise, the ask. I mean, I've heard, uh, yeah, there's so many of them. So many ways. So all of those things,
1: all your raffles, all your different (laughs) kinds of raffles, like your golden raffle, your best of life your 50, 50, like there's so many different kinds of raffles. And then uh, I would say there's other, I've said the words revenue enhancers, there's other forms that you can like raise money if it's games, you know, or just something like that, that kind of enhances that. But I will say, I believe, and I'm open to your thoughts too, Don. but I believe that simple is better when it comes to these tactical fundraising components at an event. There just are so many options and I can see it getting overwhelming. Sometimes I am overwhelmed by all that you could choose to do, Mm -hmm. but really just, I think lately it has been proven that simple is better. We've seen organizations paring back on, instead of doing all the things I just mentioned, they're doing some of the things and that has worked for them. It Mm -hmm. may not work for everyone. But yeah, I would say when it comes to the tactical fundraising piece, simple is better.
0: Keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I agree with that. I like simplicity. I think sometimes as fundraisers, we try to monetize everything, you know, from the centerpieces to dances to dessert to, you know, I mean, we we want our donors to have a a good, memorable experience where they're connected to the cause and the mission. And, you know, they want to have a lasting relationship with you. So I think back to what you said in the very beginning what what are the goals what are we trying to accomplish is it fundraising is it friend raising is it awareness raising all good things to put on the paper right right up in the beginning but i know a lot of our audience comes to our podcast to get Something new, something fun, something different, something they haven't thought about. So you're immersed in events. What what do you got? What tricks are up your sleeve? Mm. If you don't have to mention any customer names, but if you can give some examples and just what do you see as trending that if people are in the middle right now of their fundraising, they could maybe quickly implement?
1: Probably a few different things. I'm gonna I'm gonna say what comes to the top of my mind and hopefully sure. are for yeah. individuals, but I would say there is, and I've alluded to this, but what I have consistently seen is pairing back your auction gala type of event. And so oh, what that has turned so the into- the gala I've heard that, right? Talking the about the un-ga- un-ga- I've seen that represented differently, but an example is like an organization who used to do like your full-on auction gala. And then instead they just do a dinner, but the dinner has typically started to be like heavy hors d'oeuvres. So it's not as like sit down, wine and dine. Catering
0: is out of control. It's very expensive. I mean, no disrespect to caterers. And I understand they have to make a living, but I feel like catering costs have just skyrocketed. Like they've done three leaps instead of one leap. It's crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Pro tip, just random pro tip, when you select your venue, please see if there are preferred caterers because so many clients that come in after they have selected their venue and then we have to use their preferred caterer, which they're great caterers, but it's so expensive because they yeah, can't yeah. they don't have room to choose. So just putting that out there. But yeah, so they do like this heavy hors d'oeuvre situation. So it's a little more casual right off the bat. And then okay. they'll they'll have the silent auction going while you're kind of like eating your heavy hors d'oeuvres. And then maybe there's a raffle, maybe. And then they go just straight into a program. Everybody is seated and they do an ask. The end. That's it. Wow. And it's gone completely. What it's turned to focus on is the program. So the program is the key component of that event. And to me, it has turned to be a very mission-driven event because it's just about the program, really. And so they hope that program is impactful enough to just have people give. And I almost... I love that. I have to say, because I love when we have individual support organizations that are just there because they want to support it. They don't need to be convinced. They don't have to buy something in order to give something. They just want to give. That's amazing to me. And I think those are yeah. the donors that we kind of want to build, right? I don't know.
0: Just a yeah, thought. I'm with you. I think I like that. I'm just thinking of an, you know, as a guest, mm-hmm. I. I'm always the last to the party and the first to leave. Right. I I'm there because I really want to be there. I, I, I don't if I'm someplace, it's because I really want to be there. And it takes me a lot to get someplace. I, you know, I. My family is everything. I'd much rather be sitting in my living room with my two kids and my husband. I do have a son with special needs. So going out for me is just that much harder. So if I'm there, I want to be there. And I kind of like that. You know, Mm -hmm. let me shop with my silent auction. Oh, that's always fun. Auctions Mm -hmm. are just fun. They're addicting, especially if you have technology, I think Uh that's fair to say. I don't want to be putting my name on a paper bid sheet. I want to be, you know, playing on my phone and bidding away. So that's, I think, fair to say. And then, wow, I mean, I'm not in it for all night long. I don't have to worry about a caregiver for my son for X amount of hours and checking in. I'm there for a reason. I'm feeling connected to something greater than me. I give my donation and I, I go home feeling really good. I don't, I like this, Mary. So is this a trend? Are you, I mean,
1: like. It's a trend in my area. I should say that specifically. Okay. So I'm not yeah. sure how far that's reaching, but it's something that I've definitely seen around me. But then to be fair, if you're listening to this and you're like, that won't work because I have, you know, 20 really committed major donors that are only going to give at a gala and that's what we have to do, then maybe that's okay. But it is interesting to see the shift.
0: yeah. The shift works for me. But now what do you do about if you have corporate sponsors and you show, you know, you sold tables of 10 or 20 and now you have 10 people that are coming because they're not like me necessarily aligned to the mission. They just know that a boss or a colleague or somebody gave them two tickets and told them to come. Maybe they are looking for a little bit more Cirque du Laissez experience as opposed to the mission. How do you entertain them? as well. Mm-hmm.
1: That's fair. I think that you can still make it grand, in a sense, without all of like the small things, you know, that kind of can add up. I think that's just like, some creative like design that you could do some things like that. But also, there is this, if I push back on that idea a little yeah, bit, push back, please. Some, and I think that's what's going trend.
0: through people's right. minds, right? right? So I want you, I want to hear it.
1: Yeah. And this maybe falls within a trend once again in my area. So I I have seen sponsorships and partnerships change, actually. And so with to your point, I would say that so many times we have seen tables not get filled by sponsors and partners and that's okay. Maybe they're just bringing, you know, like two of them and that's okay. It's fine. (laughs) But we've been wondering, is this the benefit that they want? do they like want to come to the event? Like, is this something they enjoy? And so we've kind of encouraged, and this has not always worked, but we've encouraged organizations to just kind of maybe shift how they do sponsorship and partnership. And this is common in my area. They are starting to really change into the community-centric fundraising model, if you're familiar with that. And that has impacted sponsorship. And so what that means is they are now having sponsors choose their benefits and they list out different options. And so you don't necessarily, not everybody gets a table at the event. They can choose if they want a table at the event. Maybe they want something else like volunteer opportunity for their team because many corporate companies like need to fulfill something like that. And so anyway, they get to choose what works for them. That's like part of their sponsorship package. And so maybe they don't need to attend the event is where I'm pushing back. But yeah. if they do want to and you want them to have a presence, then to your point... I don't know. I think that has to go to come down to mission because you find your ideal partners, those that align with your mission. And if they want that grand experience, then yes, maybe that is what you need to provide. But if that's not
0: your goal, maybe you need to go after a different partner. I don't know. No, I love where this is going because it really is putting the mission at the center of the fundraiser. Because, truth be told, if you have corporate partners and they all have tables of ten and they all send two people, you can have some very empty, you could have an empty venue. If they do send 10 random people, then you don't necessarily have people that are aligned to the mission or even know why they're there. They're, they were just told, hey, yeah, you know, you're not doing anything this weekend. Put on your blue suede shoes and, you know, go mm-hmm. to this event and there may not be any any alignment. And that's not necessarily the, the way to nurture and cultivate sustainable giving. So I kind of like this. It's really getting a little bit more mission focused. And then you can worry about filling the room with <laughs> having the right people in the room. So- right. Maybe this shift is pretty good. Maybe we're gonna get a little bit more back to the goal. Yeah, I love that. So, what are some of the other creative ideas that you have, or if we're moving away? from, excuse me, the gala. What can we move towards other than you gave us one example, right? Have your auction, have your orders, mission, ask, call it a day. What are some other ideas we could move towards? Yeah. Depending on your
1: organization, there is, I think, a need or an, an initiative that organizations try to have for involving the community, like community partners, maybe there are, or other groups, you know, doing similar work that you do or something like that. Like there's this room for, for partnership there. And so, with that, I would say some of these events have turned more into community events. It's like an event that your city would put on that kind of looks like that more than it looks like your traditional fundraiser. Those have been interesting to me and they're underwritten again by sponsorship and partnerships. And so that's, that's the key there, but it has turned more into a community gathering. And what's interesting about that is it's these joint organizations coming together to put on an event and that reaches more
0: collaboration.
1: It's a collaboration. Yeah, And more of the community comes out to attend. And then you meet new people and they learn about your services, et cetera, et cetera. And it can be really beneficial. Now that is more of, you know, a friend raiser community event. But I think that that is really interesting. It's just a shift of partnership kind of that I've seen.
0: Yeah. Gives opportunity for growth and to make network and to make new connections. And yeah, we all need to do these days. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, And How we also... You? doing right now in the middle of event season. I mean, I can't believe you even took time out to be here on Raise Nation Radio. Is it a little <laughs> hectic for you at the moment? It's a little
1: crazy. I just had my busiest week last week. And so now I'm actually on the downhill stretch. So most of the events were kind of at the beginning of the season, just it happened to be that way. So we've knocked quite a bit out recently. Last week, we had three events. That was too too much. <laughs> That was good. We did a lot in one week. We kind of divided up our team and uh, conquered together. But yeah, so those events too have all been, there's, we've been like 5Ks or your, your traditional galas. And then coming up as wrapping out the end of the year, we have a few more events, which are all galas. But it's just so interesting because they all look so different. And that's something I think is uh, that I'd love to say is just with all of these ideas, figure out what works for you and your organization, because no event really is the same. Some of the ones we have coming up are like, they're the gala with every possible gala component that you could think of. And it's just going to be a huge event. And then we just had one that was that stripped back, really simple kind of mission event. And they all, you know, raise money and people come and it's just what works for them. Yeah. And well, I think how that's you,
0: important. How would EP events... Do you, and if you don't mind, I'm going to put your contact information and how to get in touch with you in the show notes. And oh, thank you. we all need a little help every, you know, we all <laughs> need a friend in, in this, but how do you at EP events to take us through, somebody calls you, you yeah, know, hi, Mary, I got to put on a fundraiser. I need help. I'm getting a little stale. How do you take your clients through Figuring out what what works for them because you mentioned that a couple of times. You know, there's no one size fits all. You Mm -hmm. have to kind of figure out um, what works for you. How do you take your customers through that, and how do you get to that place?
1: That's a great question. I will say, a lot of times by the time we got have been brought on, they've already decided what they're going to do, and so we Ah. come in just having to implement. And then sometimes there is room for feedback and because we catch them soon enough. And so I think there's a mix there. But I do kind of have like a structure where we have like, you know, a kickoff meeting with those key stakeholders. And that is where we have those conversations that I mentioned about, like, what's going to get people out of their house? Like, what what are you planning on and what's important to you and what are you trying to celebrate? Like those conversations that we've talked about we have that in the kickoff call. So we're all aligned at that point, regardless of where we're at in the process, that's when we can have that conversation. And so through that conversation is when a lot of things come to light, when they realize, oh, maybe that's not what we're trying to do, you know, or things like that. And then from there, we go all in on identifying kind of like their theme and weaving that messaging into components of the event. So that's kind of its own meeting. And from all of these, you know, to be clear, is when they realize or folks realize what they can, what they can change and what they want want it to be like. So I guess regardless of when we come in, there's room for further conversation. And then we talk about like inclusivity for the event and accessibility. We talk about that early because that is huge in events right now and just in life. And so those are important conversations to be had. And then strategy about like, so you need to start thinking about the program so like what's it going to be about <laughs> what kind of speakers are you going to have who do we need to start like putting feelers out there for and i could probably go on and on but but yeah i there is this there's a structured conversation and process and sometimes it is just us checking in and saying what have you already been doing about this and what's important I to think
0: you the better question i should have asked you was what does e EP- EP events not do? Because that would have been the shorter answer. Oh. It seems like you run you run the gamut. You even get involved in peer-to-peer fundraisers and 5Ks. And so yeah. it's not just, I think of events, I immediately go to the typical gala, but mm-hmm. there's just an array of fundraisers and peer-to-peer and It doesn't matter to you. You're there to support nonprofits, to grow their mission, to get back to their true north. That's what EP Events is all about. And wherever you are in your planning stage for whatever fundraiser, you're executing call EP events because you're there to help. Is that good? Is, is that, that
1: was good? great. I need to like record that and put that on my website or something. You just summarized that so
0: well. Well, <laughs> yes, good. This true. whole thing is being recorded and <laughs> yeah, be yeah. on uh, on 10 different podcast channels. Love that's that. great. I mean, I just love your versatility and how nimble you are and staying abreast of, you know, all the trends. What do you want to say to fundraisers out there? Because they're probably in the middle of what they're doing right now and they're stressed. They have some goals, lofty goals that they need to hit. What do you want to tell them that they should be thinking about right at this moment? Just keep
1: with it. Like you do so much already for your organization. And then on top of that, you have to do events most of the time. Like that is so much pressure and so much work. So if you're right in the thick of it, just keep going. What you're doing is good. Don't feel like you have to necessarily pivot this year. You're already planning stuff. It is what it is. That's okay. Just have an establishment year do your event. I hope it's a success. I'm sure it'll be a success. But think about next year. Next year, remember this conversation and see maybe what you can do a little bit different and consider, you know, your staff and your team and really uh, this event reflect how much time your team is spending on that event and kind of consider that moving forward. But I would say I never want to come in and say, oh, this is what you can do better because events are stressful and that might just be too much for someone to hear at this time. So I'm just going to say good job. Stick yeah. with it, get through it. And I hope it's a success.
0: Now, do you help your clients with the debrief too? We do. Yes, and, we do. You know, analyzing all of that. That can be stressful in another. sense. To itself. a certain
1: extent, we do. It just kind of varies based on what your needs are. But we definitely have like a post-event process that we recommend because by the time an event's over, we're all just done with it, let's be honest. So <laughs> there's, you know, some room there for sure.
0: Yeah, so are you only operate in the seattle area or no we actually do
1: events we travel Mm -hmm. we do a lot of events locally just because that's where most of the network is and we're involved in like the association of fundraising professionals locally and so that's just kind of our circle but we do travel for events and we have as well
0: wow exciting it's exciting and and nerve-wracking yeah excuse me i've been Battling a little bit of a cold. I was hoping that that would, that cough would hang in there until after the podcast was over. Well, I don't want to keep you so much from the season. Tis the season. Good luck with all of your events and mm-hmm. all of your customers and everything that you're doing. You have to come back and talk to us again and let us know all the trends, maybe from 2023 and how they're going to oh, apply to 2024. And I think it's a conversation that we can probably have every six months, right? Just mm-hmm. what is going on? But I, I do like yep. ever changing <laughs> about the changing. Yeah, um, yeah. I love some of the uh, ideas that you're suggesting. So food for thought, definitely food for thought. But we'll ha- definitely have to have you back again. How's it looking for you this week? What? How many events do you have this weekend?
1: This week we actually don't have any. So I'm like, oh well, that's not totally true. I'm sorry. I like my team members on site three days this week. Besides that, <laughs> besides that, we don't have anything. And it yeah. So we are wrapping up the month and the year in a couple of weeks with uh, a couple of galas. So kind of all in on that prep. Wow.
0: Oh, I gotta get rid of this gold here. I'm so sorry. Well, fun fundraisers, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation, Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 12:30 p.m. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 12:30 p.m. That's Thursdays, 12:30 p.m. Eastern Time. But in the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio follow your favorite channel because we stream on all of them. And this way you can get all your notifications about new guests and new topics. And if you're a fundraiser and you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out at hello at onecause.com. We'd love to have you. We know fundraisers are doing amazing things. We'd love to shine a spotlight on your mission. And we know your stories are fantastic. So please join us here on the show. I'd like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising. With easy-to-use digital fundraising, solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Check it out at com and please visit the resource tab on the homepage for a broad catalog of content, free content that hopefully you'll find helpful. A huge shout out and thanks to my guest, Mary Davidson from EP Events um, for sharing such an authentic and expert voice and just getting real about where events are today. So we'll put all of our contact information in the show notes so that you can get in touch with her. And Mary, I've so enjoyed our conversation. I feel like we can talk about this forever, but I do have to ask any last words of information, inspiration for our audience?
1: Oh, just keep going strong. Events are, if there's a fun component of them. So focus on the fun, have a good time. I hope you all gain something from this. So thank you so much and good luck.
0: Oh, well, thank you. And good luck to you too. And uh, get that much uh, deserved uh, rest, especially at near end and at the holiday time when it's all past you. Thank you again so much, Mary. We'll have to see, check in with you again. Absolutely, thank you. Until next time, I'm Don Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. You stay fearless out there.